Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. Hey everybody, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is that you're watching this message. Hey, my name is Tim. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope Church, and this is week number four of our in-person sermon series, talking about relationships and what God has to say about relationships. And in these days, when working together and being together and sort of reuniting as we begin to emerge from the pandemic a bit is so important. You know, I was thinking about this this week as I was uh, scanning the headlines and I came across a headline of the story of this guy whose name is Mauro Morandi. Have, have you ever heard this name, Mauro Morandi? All right, so here's his story. Mauro, back in the late 80s, over 30 years ago, took his sailboat. He lived in Italy. He's from Italy, an Italian guy. And he took his sailboat and he began to sail for the South Pacific. He didn't get very far though. And his, his sailboat broke down and he drifted over to an island just off the coast of Italy called Budelli. So he gets his, his sailboat pulled onto the shore and trying to figure out what he's going to do next. And here comes a couple uh, a man and a wife, an older couple, come walking up to him. And turns out that Budelli is part of the um, Italian National Park System. And this couple had been living on the island as caretakers and were wanting to retire. And so they talked Mauro Morandi into becoming the new caretaker of the island. And just last week, after 32 years of living on this island, Mauro actually was asked to leave by the Italian government. They were looking to change some things up and do some things. And so he's having to come back to the mainland, into Italy, and find a place to live and reintegrate into society. Over 30 years of living by himself on this island. Can you, can you imagine that? Now, for some of you, that would be your personal hell. Like, you would look, you, you, like that, that would just be a nightmare for you. Um, not only do you like to be around people for the most part or, or, or a lot, but you, man, you have to, I mean, like, where did Morrow get a cup of coffee? You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I love the beauty of, of, of islands, but, but come on, man. There's no, you know, you're not making coffee out of coconut juice. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like there are some modern conveniences that some of us need to have. You know, some of us would not be able to live on an island isolated for 32 days, let alone 32 years. Now, for some of you, though, what I've just described is your perfect scenario. You're like, yeah, put me on a beautiful Italian island all by myself for as long as I wanted. I'm in. Let's find out where you are right now. 
if if you would stay on the island by yourself and it would be a good thing, I want you to write in the comments right now, live.discoverhope.church. If you're there and you're in the comment section, I want you to write, I would do it. Just, just write, I would do it. If you're here and you're like, that is a personal hell for me. No way. I want you to write in the comment section, maybe all caps, never. All right, let's, fi- let's figure out who's here, who's watching us here today. I would do it or never. You know, for those of you who, who would love that kind of thing, you'd be up for that. You might relate. Frederick the Great in the 1700s, King of Prussia, said it like this. He said, the more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. You know what I'm saying? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. The more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. But you know, God has something to say about that. God has something he wants to say to you and to me today about how he sees people. And, and I want to, I want to tell you right up front here, for a lot of us, this is going to challenge us to the core. Because we're not all that fired up about people, some of us. Some of us in these days, in recent days, we've been in more conflict with people than we ever have. I know it seems like our culture is in more conflict than it has ever been. Disagreements are at an all-time high. It just seems like people cannot get along at the most basic level. Well, things are different for followers of Jesus, And today we're going to explore what that looks like. Frederick the Great, the more I get to know people, the more I love my dog. Here's the big idea truth that we're going to explore today. The more you get to know God, the more you love people. Let me repeat that for you again. The more you get to know God, the more you love people. They go hand in hand. And you've heard this in the earlier weeks of this message series, but I want to repeat a couple of key passages of Scripture because it's important for us to hear this over and over again. These words are going to be on your screen, but Jesus said it like this in Mark 12 and verse 28. One of the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandments than these. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. These two things are intertwined they're inseparable in the kingdom of God, in the way of following Jesus, loving God and loving people as yourself cannot be separated. They were designed by God to go together. In fact, later on in the Bible, the Apostle Paul says it like this in 1 John four twenty. Now, this is the message version. If anyone boasts, I love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he is a liar, meaning he's lying about loving God. 
If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the person, the God that he cannot see? The command we have from Christ is blunt, Paul says. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to do both. Oh my goodness, Tim. You're telling me right now that if I say I love God, but I don't love people, I don't see people as God sees them, then that invalidates my relationship with God. Here's what God is saying. The more you get to know God, the more you love people. This is our big idea truth today. The more you get to know God, the more you love people. All right, so so let's jump into a story in the life of Jesus that is going to help us explore this truth here today. The words are going to be up on the screen, but I'm going to be in Luke chapter 9. Now, as we jump into Luke chapter 9, we're going to jump in at verse 51, Luke 9, 51. And, and, and here's what you can tell right away. We're diving down. We're, we're parachuting down into the middle of a story. We're in the middle of the Bible, in the middle of a book of the Bible, Luke, in the middle of a chapter, chapter 9. So, so, so what's happening here in the story that's already in motion? Well, here's what's been happening. Jesus has been traveling around from place to place doing Jesus things. He's been, he's been healing people. He's been feeding people. Right. He's been raising people from the dead. Right. He's been he's been teaching people. He's been doing Jesus things. And right about this time in the life and the ministry of Jesus, he's about ready to turn pivot in a new direction and teach us something amazing. Are you with us now? Luke nine, verse fifty one says this, when the days drew near for him to be taken up after his resurrection, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. Jesus began to move himself, position himself, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually with all of his being. He began to point himself toward Jerusalem. Now, why is that important? What's significant about Jerusalem? Our Jerusalem is going to be the place where Jesus will give his life. Jerusalem is where all of his friends will leave him. Jerusalem is where he'll be unjustly accused, where he'll be violently beaten, where he will be um, put to death, where his body will be put into a grave. Pretty rough. But Jerusalem will also be the place where we'll see the greatest um, victory in the history of humanity. Jerusalem is the place where Jesus will be resurrected from the dead three days after dying and bring victory over sin and over death and over hell for all of humanity, for those who would accept Jesus. It's the place of his greatest struggle and the place of his greatest triumph. Jesus turns toward Jerusalem. Now, this is our, our first clue, our first, our first maybe uh, stone in the pathway towards seeing people as God sees them. 
Jesus was intentional about heading toward Jerusalem. Did you know that you and I have a Jerusalem? Jesus was moving toward his purpose, right? God's plan for his life. You and I have a Jerusalem. You and I have a purpose and a plan. What, what, what is that purpose? What, what is that plan? So we've already talked about it. The plan of God for your life and for my life is to love God and to love people. These two things are intertwined. The truth is that the more we get to know God, the more we love people. This is the essence of our purpose. It doesn't matter in this life about your job, about your status in life, about any of the other things that come with being a part of this life. We know this above all else. We are here to love God and to love people. Jesus moved intentionally toward his purpose, and so should we. But Jesus had to make a choice to do it. So let me ask you this. Are you willing to make a choice to move in the direction of God's purpose for you? That choice involves loving God and loving people. Are you willing to make that choice? All right, let's see. Let's see what else happens here. Verse 52. Jesus sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. So Jesus could have gone around Samaria, a nation that the Jewish people hated. And by the way, the Samaritans hated the Jewish people right back. They hated each other. They warred with each other. It was not a good situation. Jesus decides instead of going around Samaria, he's going to go through Samaria. You know what Jesus was doing here is he was teaching us that it was not his mission in life to avoid conflict. He could have gone around Samaria and avoided the conflict, but he didn't. He went right into the heart of conflict, knowing that there would be conflict. Listen, if you're going to see people as God sees people, if you're going to get to know God more and love people more, you know you're going to head into conflict. It's part of this broken world that we're a part of. The very first human beings recorded in the Bible were in conflict. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God and they were confronted with their sin, they threw each other under the bus. The first marriage fight right there threw each other under the bus. Their kids... The first people to be born in the Bible, one brother murdered the other brother because of an argument. Like conflict is part of this broken world that we live in. And Jesus said, my purpose, Jerusalem, is going to go through the conflict. In order to get to the purpose, you go through the conflict. Listen. In order to get to the people that God loves in this world, oftentimes it's going to involve conflict. And so our ability to be able to see people as God sees them is so important. Because if we can get through the conflict, we can love people in the way that God loves them. 
in order to see people like God sees them, we need to be ready that God wants to love them as he loves them through us. Well, let's keep going. Verse 53, sure enough, look at this. Here's the conflict. But the people did not receive him because his face was set on Jerusalem, because he was Jewish. Listen, the Samaritans, an ethnic group, the Jewish people, an ethnic group, they did not get along. And because Jesus was part of another ethnic group that they did not approve of, they refused Jesus the ability to stay in their town. It was a straight-up rejection. How many of you have ever been rejected by somebody? Like, like if you're a human being, if you're alive, if you have breath in your lungs, and you're listening to this message today, you've been rejected by somebody in your life. And you know what? You've rejected someone else in your life too. It goes both ways. We've all been a part of this. We've all experienced. We've all been on both sides of this thing. Well, watch what happens. Verse 54. When his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? Like, have you ever, do you have that friend that goes from like zero to a hundred, like in an instant? Like their response oftentimes is way over the top for the situation at hand. You know what I'm saying? You ever seen somebody that like they get so, like a server at a restaurant gets their order wrong and you would have thought that the person had just like punched him in the face, right? They get like so mad and you're and you're looking like, what what are you doing? Like, they can take the food back. They can bring it back. Like, like you, you don't need to do that. Imagine one of your friends being like, hey, you know what? That person that just did you wrong right there? Why don't I pray right now to the God of the universe and bring down fire and kill those people? What do you think? What do you think? Should we do it? Imagine saying that to Jesus of all people who had already taught them. Love God. Love people. All of uh, the law boils down to that. He had already taught them. Imagine this situation. Well, before you judge too harshly, here's what you should know about these disciples, James and John. James and John were just with Jesus on a mountaintop in what is called the transfiguration. And it's a, it's a moment where Jesus revealed some of his divine glory. You can go read about that. It's an amazing story. And on top of this mountain, Jesus is with Moses and Elijah. It's, it's an amazing story. Peter, James, and John, the James and John in verse 54, were with Jesus. They saw the whole thing. You know what was significant about Elijah? Elijah, Elijah was an OG prophet like like he he's the man he 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 was regarded as one of the top human beings to ever live by the Jewish community you know what elijah did elijah in his day called down fire guess what on this town these people like their uh, forefathers elijah called down fire on the people living in this village for the same reason these two disciples, James and John, were simply living out. We're, we're following the model. We're, we're trying to reproduce 
what the ones who came before them had done. They were trying to become like, 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 like the prophets back in the day, Elijah calling down fire. How many of you know that we have people who are doing things toward other people because for generations they've been taught that those people are lesser than, than them? How many of you know that we have stuff like that happening every day right here in this country and around the world? This is all that's happening here. Now watch the response of Jesus. Verse 55, Jesus turned and rebuked them. Now up on the screen, you're going to see the ESV version of this verse 55. And it's a little more broad. It says this, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of, Jesus says to them. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to destroy people's lives, but to save them. You know what Jesus is doing in this moment? As he pivots his life toward Jerusalem, his purpose, he pivots the entire way that we are to see other people. Up until that time, when God called down judgment on people, he would use a prophet and the prophet would call down fire from heaven and consume people who were unreachable, who were not going to accept the love of Jesus. Now Jesus is saying, I bring a new way. I'm doing a new thing in your midst. I'm calling you to a new way of seeing people. You're not going to see people as the object of God's judgment. You're going to see people as the object of God's love. I've come not to destroy people, not to kill people, not to take their lives, but to save their lives. This was a new way of doing things. Think about it. Look at the ministry of Jesus and see how it unfolded. The types of people that he reached and connected with and spent time with. Jesus was called a friend of sinners, a glutton and a drunk because he hang, he hung out with people like that. Jesus called 12 men into his inner circle who were not the religious elite. They were the outsiders. They were the non-religious. These, these, these were not people you would choose to start a new religious movement. But Jesus chose them. Jesus told stories like the good Samaritan, where the Samaritan was actually the hero of the story. Jesus did things like, like teach people to love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And of course, one of the final acts in the life of Jesus, as he hung on the cross about to die, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. All the way up until his final breath, Jesus was seeing people as God sees people. So that's cool, Tim, you might say. I get it. I get what you're saying. I I see it. I see it. I I can see the, the life and the ministry of Jesus reflecting this view of people as people who have been, who have been, he had come to save, not people he had come to condemn. But, but what does that actually look like? You know, in my life, I have, I have challenges. I have, I have trouble, um, 
uh, loving people and seeing people. I get the big idea point that the more that I know God, the more that I love people. But, but, but what does that look like practically? Let me take you to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to start in verse 14. The words are going to be on your screen. He says this, For Christ's love compels us. This is the very first way that you begin to see people as, as God sees them. It's the love of Christ in us that allows us to be able to do this, to see people as God sees them. It's the love of Christ in us. You can't do it any other way. You cannot have true love for people without the love of Christ in you. You can't truly see people as God sees them unless you have the love of Christ in you. For the love of Christ compels us. Why does it compel us? Because we're convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Jesus died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So the love of Christ is in us. When you say yes to Jesus, the love of Christ is in you. And when you say yes and the love of Christ begins to fill you up, here's what happens. You no longer live for yourself. God gives you a holy, a divine desire. As you let go of yourself, God gives you a desire for other people. He, he replaces it. You no longer live for yourself, but you live for him. And you cannot live for Jesus, the one we just described as loving people, laying down his life for people, teaching his followers how to love other people. I haven't come to kill people, but to save people. You can't live no longer for yourself, but for him who died and was raised again without taking on his attributes, his views, his ways, right? The love of Christ compels us. We no longer live for ourselves, but for Jesus. So, he says in verse 16, from now on, this is the result of, of the love of Christ filling you up, compelling you, no longer living for yourself, but for him who died for you. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Even Jesus we saw in this way. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The new has come, the old is gone. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's the ministry of reconciliation. That God is reconciling the world to himself in Jesus, not counting people's sins against them. They deserve to have their sins counted against them. But God in his love, God sees people as worthy of being saved. God says, because of Jesus, if you'll accept him into your life, if you'll say yes to Jesus, I'll see Jesus in you instead of your sin. When the love of Christ compels us and we begin to live not for ourselves, but for him, we begin to not see people's sin, not see all the jacked upness in people. Yeah, I just made that word up, jacked upness. Yeah, I did that. I just did that right now. I could do that. God chooses 
to allow us to not see people in that way, in the old way, but in the new way. Just like God sees you when you say yes to Jesus, he gives us the ability to be able to see other people around us. No matter their political party, no matter whether they wear a mask or not, no matter if they have, you know, a dog or a cat, if they like burgers or if they're vegetarian, right? God helps us to see people as he sees them. Now watch this. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God is making his appeal through us. Do you know why God gives us the ability to see people as he sees them? Because we are his ambassadors. We take the message of reconciliation that Jesus loves people, that Jesus died for people, that Jesus was resurrected for people. We take the message of reconciliation, the good news of Jesus, and we are ambassadors of it. We are representatives of that good news. How can you be an ambassador of the good news if you don't like people? Remember, the more I get to know God, the more I love people. Are you struggling with, with your love for people, with seeing people as God sees people? Remember, the, the more that I get to know God, the more I love people. If you're struggling with people, lean into your relationship with God. Jesus said it like this in Luke 9, 23. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross every day. That means, that means put your will on that cross every day, crucify, kill, put to death your will every day and follow me. This is how we see people as God sees people. We let the love of Christ fill us up, compel us. We stop living for ourselves and we begin living for the one who died for us. And when we do that, we begin to see people as God sees them. We become ambassadors of the good news of Jesus Christ. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.